Hello and welcome in to our week three review, another episode of the Fantasy Football Podcast with Nick and Cody, recording here on a Monday night as the Rams and Bengals wrap up part two of Monday Night Football here, Codes. How did we do this week, Bub? Uh, I, I know you were a little bit up and down last week, but uh, this was a big week as far as fantasy points are concerned. So uh, did we end up with some good matchups? Absolutely not. The only league I did good in was ours. So it was it did really uh, well in that one. It was a rough, yeah. It was a rough week for your boy. Luckily, I'm gonna, I think, sneak away with the highest points in uh in our league. So that's a nice W. But I went zero and three in my other leagues. Um, my survivor pool, I got the right pick, and then in my guillotine league, I made it through another week. So those are two positive notes. But saw a couple Raheem Mostert, saw a couple Keenan Allen's over the uh, weekend. Actually, two Devontae Adams. So. Just kind of got screwed in those uh, those matchups, but that's fantasy football. I that, that's how it goes. How'd you do this weekend? Went four and one. Uh, had a chance to post another five and zero week until uh, Joe Mixon and Mike Evans made sure that was not possible tonight. As well as Evan McPherson, those three ended up tanking me uh, and ruined my perfect ten and zero out of these last two weeks. But can't have it all we'll take the four in one week i had a few raheem mostrits on my side that definitely helped smooth things along avoided some of the blow up games around the league as well so can't complain on my end uh ended up doing pretty well that raheem mostert game and just the dolphins offense in general is just absolutely insane we'll obviously get to that in the stud section here uh for those of you who may not have listened to our Review shows this year, we're doing it a little differently. We're doing uh, studs and duds instead of recapping each game. So if you're looking for uh, one or the other as far as studs or duds go, we go quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end uh, when we start those. So, Cody, before we get into those uh, studs and duds, do you want to hit the drop for the news and notes? I will do that in just a second. Before we get too far into the podcast and maybe someone has to drop off or anything like that, if you have not been, make sure to follow the podcast and check Saturday mornings for the betting show. We are 14 yeah. and four on the season. I've gone three and oh the past two weeks. Nick has gone two and one every single week. So if you've been tailing us, you've been pocketing a bunch of cash. So hopefully you have been. Uh, like I said, check that out. Hopefully we keep this uh, torrid run that we are on. It has been pretty sweet. But Nick, have uh, you let's heard go the ahead news? and get into the news and notes. Time for Nick's news and notes from around the NFL. Very, very light on the injuries this week around the NFL that are fantasy relevant. Uh, We did have one pretty big one, though, unfortunately. The Chargers' Mike Williams is out for the season with a torn ACL that was confirmed today. Really tough break. He was having a fantastic game, had a really good game the week before as well. Looked like this Chargers offense was ready to really take off. Um, I think the, uh, the auxiliary pieces that they have will help, uh, Justin Herbert and the rest of that offense keep things going, but just a really tough break for Mike Williams, the dude, he, uh, was having a great year and he's kind of had trouble with injuries throughout his career. So hopefully he can come back, uh, healthy next season, but he'll be a 29 year old coming off an ACL tear. So it will be an uphill battle for sure. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this one kind of stings. I actually had him in a couple leagues. He was one of my bright spots through yeah. um, through a couple of my losses. So this one's going to hurt pretty bad. Obviously, I know a lot of people are going to be tuning in, wondering what to do with Joshua Palmer, Quentin Johnston. So make sure to stick around. We will hit the waiver wire segment at the end. So if you are in a rush to get through this episode, it will be time coded. But yeah, this is a this is a big hurt for not only my fantasy teams, but even the Chargers. Like you said, they'll probably keep it going. But we saw last year. Once, you know, some of these weapons start going down, their offense kind of just slows up a little bit. Yeah, Mike Williams adds a dimension for sure. The rookie Quentin Johnston will uh, probably have to step up. Again, we will get to uh, the the fallout for the other Chargers options in the waiver wire section. Josh Palmer and Quentin Johnston, certainly two of the hottest waiver wire commodities this week. David Carr, he injured... Uh, Derek Carr, excuse me. I have David Carr in here. Oh my God. Uh, shout out to, uh, shout out to the former Houston Texan. Uh, Derek Carr out with an AC joint sprain. Not as bad as originally feared, but he's probably going to miss at least this week, maybe two. Uh, this injury, usually a two to four weeker, but I guess they said it wasn't as major as, uh, as they thought. So one or two weeks, Derek Carr will be out. I don't think this really affects the Saints that much, to be honest. Jameis Winston uh, can definitely support the receivers for fantasy purposes. Absolutely. And we get a Jameis Winston revenge game this week oh, yeah. as he goes to Tampa. So that'll be a fun one. Gus Edwards evaluated for a concussion. So he left early. If you're wondering why Melvin Gordon got so much run, uh, Edwards left pretty much right at the middle of this game, was having a really good game until he did. So that was disappointing. Jonathan Mingo, he left with a concussion uh, in the Panthers game. That's why DJ Chark and Adam Thielen were peppered with targets in this one. Uh, then I just had to throw this note in here because I really didn't have that many uh, injury notes, and I just love bashing my Broncos right now. The Denver Broncos had 25 missed tackles in Week 3. There are 18 teams in the NFL that don't have that many for the entire season. So good job there, guys. Uh, total yardage record, 727 yards, or at least uh, record for post-merger. Uh, yeah, I mean, just... Absolutely comical. I guess I'll wait till full reaction till we get to all of the studs in the, you know, on the Miami <laughs> Dolphins in, in the uh, in the studs column. So we'll just uh, we'll wait for that. Alvin Kamara also officially reinstated, so he will be back uh, in Week Four. Cody, any other reaction to those news and notes? No, it's just nice to see a healthy running back coming back. Um, I I have been trying to get Alvin Kamara on as many of my teams as possible because I am looking thin at running back across most of my leagues. So yeah. uh, it's probably going to be too our, late now. Yeah. But before he has his first game, I would try out and I would try to go out and get Alvin Kamara uh, through some kind of trade. But I'm sure that the owner who's held on to him probably is facing some of those same circumstances. Yeah, the, uh, the other options in the backfield did not really impress this past weekend, so Kamara should come back to a pretty healthy snap share, probably be the clear leader in that backfield, especially with no Jamal Williams for a couple weeks. Cody, let's jump into our studs if you want to hit our drop for me real quick. Absolutely. Week-winning performances. Beautiful. So got to work on the editing. Hey, took, no. took the took the vacation a little hard <laughs> this past week. So <laughs> those will those will be better by week four. I promise. I will. I'm going to get in the lab this week and get those fixed up. Hey, we're uh, we are improving as the season goes on. That's all you can hope for from our fantasy players as well as our fantasy analyst Justin Herbert. First up on the quarterback studs here. Forty of forty-seven, four hundred five yards, three touchdowns. 
Uh, two carries for 11 yards as well. He was fantastic. QB1 on the week. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's really good. I think this Kellen Moore offense definitely uh, starting to take form here. Hopefully the Mike Williams injury does not put too much of a damper on it, but really impressive performance from Herbert. was against a soft defense, but uh, yeah, I think he's already locked in as a starter, but I think you're just you're feeling pretty good if you're a Herbert owner right now. 100%. And you had a 50-yard touchdown that was kind of sniped from by Keenan yeah, Allen. So, yeah. I mean, obviously the play design, he didn't just steal it from him. But, I mean, still 50 more yards that Herbert could have tacked on oh, yeah. to his already impressive day. So, yeah, he is he is locked and loaded. Tua Tungabailoa is really good, if you have not noticed. 23 of 26, 309 passing yards, four touchdowns. The Dolphins, as previously mentioned, uh, 727 total yards, 70 points. Uh, against the Broncos, uh, so obviously Tua had a fantastic day. Almost set the record for uh, consecutive completions to start a game. Got to give some props to Tua. He actually he was so he was eighteen for eighteen. The record was uh, I believe the record is nineteen. So he needed two more. And his nineteenth pass, he threw like a twenty yard out route to Tyreek that he just he bounced by you know a yard or two. So he didn't just take a couple layups like I wouldn't have blamed him for doing to be honest because I think they were already up like thirty five at that point, but. Uh, yeah, two is pretty good. As long as he's healthy, he's probably in your lineup every week. Yeah, absolutely. Are you uh, concerned at all about you know the re-injury risk, the concussion risk, or are you going out and trying to actively pursue Tua? I mean, I think you're just going to have to buy him so high right now that I don't know if the cost is going to be worth it. Uh, I mean, I, you know, it, it is what it is. That concern still is definitely there. If you drafted Tua as your second quarterback and you have another good option. You want to go ahead and cash in and get a ton and retrain and you know and trade for him in return. Uh, that's totally fine with me. But you know, I think for right now, you're probably just riding him out, and I can't see you prying him away from an owner that you know has him as their locked and loaded starter. Just you know, that's going to be a tough uh, a tough bet to make, just because he is. It's so fun to have any dolphins right now. I don't think you're going to be able to pry him away. And if you if you are, you, the price is just going to be too exorbitant. So. I think if you have him, yep. roll with him. If you don't, uh, hope you don't play against him, basically. Yeah, and just a reminder, he did all of that, and the Dolphins did all of that without Jalen Waddle on the field this past weekend. <laughs> yeah, so if, if you uh, – yeah, there's there's even potentially more upside for the passing game with Jalen Waddle coming back. Yeah, they might have had 800 yards against my Broncos if Jalen Waddle had been out there. Lamar Jackson, he had a really good fantasy day. I am a little concerned about this offense, though. This is somebody, uh, honestly, if you wanted to maybe go give Jackson and then like a smaller bench piece to upgrade to someone like Tua or Herbert, I might consider doing it. I think this Todd Munkin offense is having its growing pains. It might get better as the year goes on, uh, but it just it looks clunky right now. 19 points against a relatively you know beatable Colts defense, in my opinion. Saved himself with 100 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. He will do that, obviously, from time to time, but... Uh, I think it will be a little rough getting there. This just did not look pretty if you didn't watch the game. Yeah, it was not a good performance. Obviously, if you look at the fantasy numbers, you, you're happy with how it turned out. But uh, the Ravens just look bad. They really need a running game outside of Lamar Jackson. Yes, and cycling through all these running back injuries is just really killing their offensive system. Every year. So, yep, every every year single year. It's ridiculous. <laughs> So I don't know really what the solution is unless Jonathan Taylor pops back up on the market and they feel like they need to make a big swing. But Melvin Gordon's not going to be the answer. Gus Edwards, once he's back, is not going to be the answer. And 
I think that's really going to be what hampers this offense. You know, Lamar Jackson, 14 rush attempts for 101 yards. Like I said, looks good for fantasy, but you know, we've, we've seen Lamar Jackson when he runs the ball a bunch throughout a season. It usually does not end well for him. So I'm i I'd be a little bit concerned. I'd probably be looking to move off of Lamar. If you can, like you said, take him, maybe a bench piece upgrade to a Justin Herbert, maybe even a two up. I'd be looking to do those kind of things. Yeah, he's had a couple good weeks in a row here for fantasy. Um, and yeah, I just, yeah, the offense has just not looked completely in sync. I'm trying to pull up their schedule moving forward here. Oh, they play at Cleveland next week, at Pittsburgh, yeah. at Tennessee versus Detroit. I mean, all of those defenses are varying levels of decent to really good on the Cleveland side. So yeah, I think if you can cash in on this, maybe upgrade to. A Tua or Herbert, or you know, slight downgrade to someone else, and then pick up an asset on the other side. That that might be a move I'd be willing to make. Uh, Kirk Cousins, similar, uh, maybe not similar style of player, obviously, but I think we can have a similar style of discussion here. He was fantastic once again. Fifty passes. They are just throwing the ball all over the place. Thirty-two completions, three hundred sixty-seven yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. Honestly, left some on the table as well here. Two drives. Um, Right at the end of the game, they didn't score a touchdown on either one that would have put them ahead. Uh, so he really could have even had a, a much bigger day here. But, Cody, are you writing this out, or are you selling high on Kirk Cousins with the idea that the pass attempts are going to stay high, but they probably can't stay this high? I think the last two weeks he's almost thrown 100 passes combined. And, uh, you know, I mean, we've just seen Cousins year to year. He has his off days, and I, I just don't know if we can count on this continuing at such a prolific rate. Yeah, uh, if you have someone who's willing to buy high on Kirk Cousins through the first couple of weeks, I would take advantage of that as well. Um, I mean, he's really a streaming-level quarterback. I know he's kind of upgraded these past couple of weeks, but like you said, there's definitely going to be weeks where he kind of loses loses it, kind of has his off week. So, I mean, I would be fine you know, trading him for a valuable you know, wide receiver, running back, something like that, and then just going to streaming the position. If someone's willing to send you a good quarterback back for Kirk Cousins, I would take that all day as well. Um, you know, your only bright side is, like you said, they're going to have to continue to throw the ball quite a bit because their defense is terrible. But I, I don't think that he can keep this up. I think there's going to be a couple of just complete duds from this offense in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, if they continue to lose, that uh, trade talk will continue to gain steam as well. And if he's traded to a contender, I think that is going to be bad for his fantasy value because whoever he is traded to will most likely have a better defense and he will most likely throw less. So uh, he is in a perfect situation for fantasy right now with some really, really good receiving options, a horrible defense, and an offensive coordinator that really likes to throw the ball. So uh, if he were to move on, that would be a problem for him. Uh, the Vikings don't really seem like the type of team that would want to tank, but man, if they, uh, if they, if they end up one and five, one and six, they might, they might be forced into it. They do play, uh, at Carolina this weekend, definitely a winnable game, but then they get the chiefs at Chicago, another winnable game, but then versus San Francisco. So if they stumble in either the Carolina or the Chicago game, they are looking at one and six and you know, that, that could become a possibility for them, but uh, if he stays in Minnesota, he's he's a top eight quarterback the rest of the year just because his options are so good and they're going to throw it so much. Yeah. Mahomes had a great day as well. He's really good. No surprises there. Uh, moving on to the running back studs, Cody. This is probably the conversation most people are uh, listening in for. I would imagine Devon A. Chain and Raheem Mostert. 
both over 40 fantasy points. I didn't even vet this, but that's got to be the first time in NFL history that's happened. Uh, good Has job. Good job, Dan yeah. Joseph. You are probably out of a job later this week, if I had to guess. Uh, that's the Broncos defensive coordinator. If you were wondering, uh, doesn't matter. You don't have to remember that name. It's not going to be very relevant for very long. Uh, but Devon Chain looked absolutely incredible in this one. He was getting work off the jump, too. This was not a situation where Mostert came in and you know racked up two or three touchdowns. Then they brought A-Chain in once they were up three scores. I mean, they were pretty much splitting right from the jump. Uh, he had 18 carries, 203 yards, two touchdowns, four catches, 30 yards, and two more scores. Uh, this Miami offense is incredible. I... I have I have a really hard time telling you how to value A Chain moving forward. It's, it's actually actually saw this today. It's it's pronounced it's A Chan. So he it's not is that, is that what it is? Yeah, it's A Chan. I saw I saw that after this game he came out and said he wanted mm-hmm. it pronounced differently. I just yep. couldn't figure out how to say it from the text version. Yeah, so, so just that does make sense. So pretend, pretend there's no E on the end. So pretend there's yeah, no A-chan. E on the end. A-chan. So all right. So we'll try to we'll try to correct that. But anyway, uh Devon A-chan is uh an absolutely explosive athlete, smaller um, guy. I don't think he's ever may have lost horse, Nick, but, not uh, he doesn't need to be in this Miami yeah, offense. Um how, how would you value moving forward? I mean, do you even have like a guess as to how they're going to use him? I mean, are you starting him next week at Buffalo? It's definitely a tougher matchup, but this this offense is just so good. Yeah, I well, I, man, that's really tough. I it don't necessarily so want to have to play him next week against Buffalo, but like you said, I mean, he's and like I've I've been saying for a lot of the off season leading into this, he's just one of those players that he's so fast and so shifty that he can kind of just make plays happen from anywhere on the field. So. I would probably put him in the boom bust category because I don't think that they go to him as much if it's a very tight competitive game, especially into the second half. But he looked pretty good. I I would probably put him as a a boom bust running back too. Um, I would rather have the opposite. You know, I'd rather have Raheem Mostert still, in my opinion, at least for a couple more weeks. But um, you know, definitely, you know, a player that I mean, obviously has to be added, but. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I even was listening to other you know fantasy podcasts today, just trying to get like a little bit more insight on where people are going with A Chain, and it's as far as you know if if Savan Ahmed is practicing and plays next week, that they're going to be afraid to play him. To if he's on your waiver wire, dump all of your fab and completely just go all in. Yeah, on it. so it's all over the place. There's just it it's really such is. a big spread with Devon A Chain. You really just have to know your league and know what you're going to be you know, up against if he's out there. Um, I would say if you are running back needy, you can play him and he's going to be boom bust. There's a chance that he does bust on you. I don't think he's going to be putting up scores like or performances up like this, uh, you know, so. probably ever again in his career. So <laughs> this might be, this might be the best performance ever. And it came in the first game where he got a lot of work. So um, I, I'm probably somewhere in the middle. I mean, there's a couple leagues where A-Chain's available for me. I'm going to put some bids on them probably in the – I would probably – I probably can't go higher than 35 45% oh, if I'm him. running back needy. I know, yeah. but it's just it's so – because my issue is also the whole other like part of this conversation is we have Jeff Wilson coming back in week yeah. five. Oh, it's That's going to throw man. another wrench into this. So it's like – you can go 90% on Devon A-Chain this week and maybe get a good game against Buffalo, and then you're you're right back in the same conversation next week because we don't sure. know how Jeff Wilson's going to come back and be used. Yeah, I know. I mean, the other side of it is just you trust a coach like Mike McDaniel to see 
what he saw on Sunday and say, I need to get this guy the ball 10 times a game. And I think even, you know, 10 to 12 opportunities is going to be enough to keep him fantasy relevant. Mostert and Wilson have obviously been very fragile. So if one or both of those guys were to miss extended time, uh, H or HN could also, uh, you know, he could, he could vault to the value that way too. So I, I'd be, I'd be fine. If you're running back needy, go ahead. I just throw the rest of your fab on him, whatever you got left. If it's That's up fair. to 70 or 80, go ahead and do it. I think the upside is worth it. Uh, even if like, this is, it's kind of goes both ways. Cause if you're one and three or one and two, I guess we're only three weeks, but if you're desperate, you need the running back. Okay. Go ahead and spend up on him. Even if, but if you're three and oh, you can send your team to the stratosphere. If you go pick up a top five running back, that is just, okay. Now, now he's going to be 15 touches a week and be this good. It, it's on the table. So I, I think you could, I, I can see both sides of it for either. You know, if you're a struggling team, a really good team. I would go ahead and just I'd dump all your fab if you have it and go get him. And uh transitioning into Mostert. I we told you to sell high after last week. I hope you held on to him for one more week because we did say this Denver matchup is good. Uh but I I okay, so this is a really interesting discussion. I think this is probably the highest his value is ever going to be. I mean, I think it's definitely the highest his value is ever going to be. He's coming off a literal four touchdown game. Uh there's no you know, most running backs go their entire career without uh, having games like this. But uh, I I do worry that you are just you're selling a piece to potentially, <clears throat> excuse me, the best offense in the NFL this year. I'm sure last year, <coughs> Jesus, uh, I'm sure last year I, I could pull up the tapes, but we were probably telling you to sell high on Tony Pollard, too. And because he was he's like a very similar he's a bad player. He's 10 to 15 touches. Uh, you know, you're not, you're not going to get production every week. It doesn't look sustainable, but then what he ended up as the RB seven, he won a lot of people leagues. So it's, it's a, it's a difficult decision. I am making it in our (laughs) mini dynasty. Honestly, I I have been going back and forth. I think, uh, if you sell them, you just got to get really, really good value for them. Make sure you're getting top three or four round value. Otherwise I think I'm just, I'm holding because until he gets hurt, he's going to have a piece of this backfield. I don't care how many people come back healthy. You're not going to pull this guy from the lineup. He just looked too good. What do you think? It, you, yeah, exactly. He showed nothing this week to lose the, the starting role to Devon A-Chain. Yeah. Or A-Chan. I know A-Chan looked amazing, but Moser looked amazing too while he was out there. Yeah, so he did. I, Seven I am with you. Oh. If, you can, if you can turn Mostert into a, a Joe Mixon or maybe a Kenneth Walker or someone like that, I understand making that kind of move. If you're going Raheem Mostert to a Miles uh, Sanders or something like that, like that's just – you can't do that. Derek you just got to hold on to Mostert. I would hold on to Mostert. You would hold on to Mostert? I know we'll get into Henry in a little bit. I, I personally <laughs> would. So I, I, I have a little bit of a – I have a stat about Derrick Henry that kind of leans me to believing that he's probably a little bit over the hill for running backs. But sure. that is a very tough one because you so are tough. correct. I mean, if Henry gets it rolling, I mean, that's a no-brainer. You, yeah. you take that trade in a heartbeat. But, um, you know, he is an – I mean, actually, they're both kind of aging running backs. Raheem oh, Mostert's yeah. kind of old, too. He just doesn't have well, nearly the workload. Exactly, yeah. A lot less trade on his tires, for sure. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's really tough. I think um, if you have Mostert so far, he's far and away the RB1 on the season so far. And, uh, yeah, like we said, I mean, even if, again, if Wilson comes back, he's healthy. Ahmed comes back, he's healthy. I don't think there's a world where Mostert gets less than – I think 10 touches is going to be his floor 
week to week because it just doesn't make any sense to to pull him out of the the lead role right now. He's been really good. It would be would be silly of the Dolphins to do that unless they you know just like get such a big lead on the conference that they're you know rolling the other guys out there to keep him healthy. But uh, with the Chiefs and all the other you know uh, monsters in the AFC, I don't think they're going to be able to do that. Uh, it's really interesting. We'll uh, we'll try to bring up maybe uh, as we move on here some you know either ors with a chain or a chain and Mostert. Uh, so we can try to give, give you guys uh, an idea of how we value them moving forward. Kenneth Walker, as you previously mentioned, I would obviously take him over those guys, but uh, he's you're not getting him for uh, for any less than round one or two value at this point. 97 yards, two touchdowns, three catches, 59 yards. He's a solid RB1 rest of the season. He looked fantastic. I don't know if you saw any of his highlights, Cody. He literally ran a go route on the sideline and got a 35-yard catch on, like, like if they're using that was just I was I was over the moon when I saw that because I was just I was <laughs> thrilled that they were using him that way. The other thing that was really encouraging is that so Charbonnet actually played a decent amount and this one looked really good, but he was basically just given a couple drives and they said, you know, hey, this is your drive. You go out there and uh, you know, they gave him some carries, he looked good, but they got down to the seven with Charbonnet all the way down the field. They put Walker in, bam, he scores a touchdown. So he is their goal line back, which we did not really expect. Uh, he had another, his other touchdown was from one yard. So he's fantastic. He looks really good. Uh, you should be happy if you drafted him in the fifth round, like we asked you to. Yeah, absolutely. Kenneth Walker's a beast and uh, kind of, you know, you see what he does and it's kind of crazy that the, um, the Seattle Seahawks spent a second day pick on another running back considering how good Kenneth Walker is. Yeah, they're, they're kind of similar to Baltimore though, where they've had so many injuries sure. to the running back room that Pete Carroll Maybe it was an overreach uh, as far as just like value goes, but it was his fourth pick in the draft. I think a lot of people kind of forget that he had two firsts and that was his second, second uh, round pick. So it's kind of a luxury pick, but he was, you know, he just didn't want to see Walker go down and have it change his offense. And I don't think it would. I think Charbonnet is probably the most valuable handcuff in fantasy right now. Definitely go pick him up if he's out there. Uh Zach Moss, he also had a fantastic game. 30 carries, 122 yards. Caught a touchdown on three targets as well against a really, really tough run defense. This was pretty impressive. He's looked a lot better than I remember him. Uh, just as like as, as an actual NFL player, it's not just a volume play, even though the volume is fantastic right now. So until Taylor comes back, he's locked in your lineup. I find it hard to call him a sell high or a hold or anything. You know, I think he's just a hold. I, that's, I would call him a hold because most people aren't going to go buy him knowing that Taylor could come back in two weeks. But you know, there's also the possibility that this Taylor situation is untenable and Moss is just the start of the rest of the year. So I think I'd probably just hold on to him and hope, uh, you know, you can get as much volume out of it as you can. Yeah, I you have to hold on to him because you're not going to get the kind of value that you're going to want out of a running back producing this at this level right now. Um, I've seen a couple of conflicting reports. I think it was at the – maybe it was about a week and a half ago, Adam Schefter basically came out and said that he expects Jonathan Taylor to return for the Colts. And then just a couple of days later, someone on Jonathan Taylor's side came out and said that the situation is unfixable. I don't think anyone knows. Play for the Colts. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's just really up in the air with that. That's just going to take Moss's value down from where it really should be based on this play. So – Got to hold on to him, but you know if JT doesn't come back, he is at least going to be a solid volume play, and if he keeps up this efficiency, could be. I mean, 
for what what you got him for, basically a, a you know free agent pickup could be a potential league winner. At yeah, the that's the other position. thing is that you didn't spend any capital on Zach Moss, so he's basically just a free asset to you at this point. I mean, obviously you might have had some running back injuries, so you might be relying on him. But again, I don't think you're going to get enough for him in a trade for it to be worth it. And I wouldn't go out and deal for him knowing that it could only be a one or two week you know uh, rental. So I think you're just holding and uh, riding out the production while you can. Christian McCaffrey, he's pretty good at football. James Conner is also really good at football. I mean, I, I just, I'm just impressed by this guy every time I watch him. He's just super smooth, really elusive in the open field for a big guy. Can also, you know, turn two-yard gains into four or five-yard gains by falling forward. He's just, he's a really good player. This Arizona team has been way more scrappy than we expected. They beat the crap out of Dallas on Sunday. They had... Uh, I think they had 180 rushing yards at halftime. So Connor's a locked in high end RB two. Would you rather have him or Mostert rest of season? Um, I'm probably going to go on the Connor side of that just because unless he gets injured, I don't see anyone on that yeah, in that running back safer. room taking his role. So, uh, yeah, he's much much safer. Mostert may have a higher ceiling just in the offense that he's in, but I'd probably still go with Connor. Yeah, weird, because he's only got seven catches in three games. We kind of expected uh, right. the receiving work to be his bread and butter. Uh, but he's just he's got five 5.2 a carry right now, 266 yards through three games, two touchdowns. So he's just uh, he's been killing it on the efficiency side, which is really not what we expected, but uh, props to him. Jerome Ford, a couple of touchdowns, ended up with a pretty good fantasy day. It was a little rough going on the ground, as we expected. Tennessee is just impossible to run against uh 10 carries 18 yards a touchdown two for three through the air 33 yards and a score i think i think this is a pretty obvious sell high uh because i think kareem hunt played maybe even a little more than i suspected the touch distribution was i think it was so 13 opportunities for ford and seven for hunt thought that uh ford would hold on to you know the clear number one job a little longer than that I think he looked fine. It's tough to judge him because Tennessee's so good against the run. Uh, another guy that's going to be hard to sell right now. So I think you're probably just holding if you have him. That you know he ended up with a good fantasy day. So you got to give him props against a really tough matchup. Yeah, I do think Jerome Ford's a great two for one candidate. If you could take him and a wide receiver and go yes, upgrade exactly. either the wide receiver or running back position. Why do you say that, do Cody? That. Uh, because I turned him and Terry McLaurin <laughs> into the next guy on our list we're going to talk about. son of so. a bitch, yeah. Yeah, your team in that league um, is absolutely loaded right now. My goodness. Yeah, so I, I think that he's definitely a sell high candidate. But like you said, it's almost a little too obvious. I mean, yeah, it's not going it to take is. you know a genius to look at those stats and look at 1.8 yards per carry and kind of get a little worried about trading for him. So if you yeah. can do something like a two-for-one and include him, I'm all about that. I But – like you said, I think my biggest concern is Kareem Hunt's involvement, basically off the street, getting seven opportunities. Um, I just I expect this to probably be closer to 50-50. I don't think Ford's going to hold on to that role yeah, I will, too much longer. I will say I don't see Ford going away, though. I think he'll be an asset right. the rest of the year. And this Browns offense, is uh, they are great at running the ball. Stefanski's got a good, really good run scheme, so... He is not going to fade into being worth, you know, nothing at all. So at the very least, you're going to have a playable flex asset. Uh, best case yep. scenario, he holds on to RB2 value. Uh, wide receiver studs, as Cody mentioned. <laughs> God, you son of a bitch. He goes ahead. He <laughs> trades for Keenan Allen. 20, 20, 20 targets, 18 catches, 215 yards. There was, there was a decent portion 
of Sunday where I was convinced Keenan Allen was going to break the catches record because it was, I think he had like 16 with like 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter and it, they were still losing. And uh, if Josh Palmer hadn't caught that, you know, ridiculous touchdown that bounced off the, uh, the Vikings hands yep. and the, uh, the chargers had had to keep throwing it. I think he would have, but anyway, Keenan Allen is incredible. Uh, he also threw a 49 yard touchdown as Cody mentioned earlier, if the uh, 18 for two fifteen was not enough for you. Um, yeah, he's, he's really, really good. I think your only concern here is he's 31 and he's been injury prone, but as long as he's out there, he's a top five wide receiver. So enjoy him as long as he uh, can stay healthy, especially with no Mike Williams. Good Lord. Yeah, that was going to be my next point was his value, even off this big game, only just went up a little bit more because their number two is is no longer going to be there. So would you yeah. consider, you know, now that you have the Mike, William, White, ugh, Mike Williams news, would you consider trying to trade Keenan Allen for uh, Stefan Diggs, for no, someone of no. that caliber, or I'd, just hold on to him? Sure, I guess. That's, it's just lateral, though. I mean, if you can go trade for Diggs, he has a little less injury history. But at this point, I value them very similarly as from week to week. Like I think, you know, as you know, disregarding the injury aspect of it, I think they are, they are going to produce the same level of fantasy success moving forward. Uh, again, like you said, he's a little older. So if you want to go turn him into digs or someone else in that ilk, fine. But I, I think you probably just hold on to him. It's, it's just a lateral move. I don't see how you pull that off necessarily. Um, but yeah, you know, be happy that you have him. He's, he's really, really freaking good at football. I heard something earlier that, when he, since he's come back from, uh, what was it, a hamstring injury last year, whatever it was, but yep. I think it was like week 10, he's the number one wide receiver in football since uh, since that point, so uh, wow. as far as fantasy is concerned. Devontae Adams, another guy with 20 targets, 13 catches, 172 yards, two touchdowns. My God, is he absolutely incredible. Watching him is so much fun. I don't understand. Like There are, there are just these guys like him, Keenan Allen, Tyreek Hill, who is also on this list. I'll just mention him now. Uh, as well he was fantastic uh these guys are just it's like you know the ball's going to them what just cover them just put a guy on them but it's just they're just too good they're, their route running is incredible and they're always open it's it's ridiculous no matter who the quarterback is just as long as adams is healthy he's going to be a ridiculously good fantasy option as well as his teammate who we will get to later as well yep absolutely Devonte adams tore it up uh I thought Jimmy G may slow him down a little bit just because Garoppolo doesn't pass the ball down the field, but when he's wide open, I doesn't don't blame Jimmy G yeah. for taking the shots. Yeah, yeah. Easy, to, easy to throw it to him when there's no one within five yards of him. Uh, Adam Thielen, huge day, 11 catches, 145 yards, and a touchdown, a lot of garbage time, another garbage time touchdown for Adam Thielen. Uh, but he actually looked pretty good. He was getting open. The Seattle secondary is pretty vulnerable right now. They're pretty beat up. Uh, they should be a good matchup for fantasy receivers moving forward. And then Adam Thielen this week, if it's Andy Dalton again, I feel much more confident. And he plays against his Minnesota Vikings, who one revenge narrative, two their defense is horrible. We just we just mentioned Keenan Allen going for eighteen and two fifteen against them. So he's actually probably a pretty solid play this week, uh, as long as Dalton is still the starter. If it's Bryce Young, I'm much more iffy. Yep, I'm right there with you. If it's Bryce Young, I'm very hesitant on the uh, Carolina Panther receiving options. But if Andy Dalton's back out there, I almost thought about bringing this up in our last podcast. Sometimes when you see these veteran quarterbacks come in for rookies, just uh, the wide receivers, the offense just kind of seems to flow a lot smoother. And that was pretty evident. I mean, they didn't really stay in the game. Like you said, it was a lot of garbage time. But uh, Andy Dalton looked pretty solid. And, you know, Adam Thielen was the main beneficiary of that. So, 
Uh, if, if he's out there again, I would look to uh, I'd look to start Thielen this week, as nasty as that is to say. Yeah, I, I think you said it. I mean, uh, this offense was much, much smoother. I think they're, they're, the first half of this game was fairly competitive. I think it was a it was a one or two point game at half. Seahawks kind of pulled away late, and then uh, the, the Panthers did get that garbage time touchdown at the end. But they still they scored 27 points. Uh, much, much better showing with Andy Dalton under center. I don't think this is an indictment of Young. He's he's not to you know written the nail on the head here with the he is young, but um, <laughs> he'll be better moving forward. It's just yeah, like you said, he's a, Andy Dalton's a veteran quarterback. He can he's just a little bit of a stabilizing force here for these Panthers receivers. Uh, Justin Jefferson, he is fantastic. He's on pace for over 2,600 yards this year. So have fun playing against Cody with Justin Jefferson and Keenan Allen in his lineup. Debo Samuel, he had a really good game on Thursday. Anytime one of those 49ers options is missing, uh, the rest of them are must-start options, as we've seen. Shout out to Mike Williams. He had a fantastic game before he got injured. Uh, really, really disappointing to see. Seven catches, 121 yards, and a score. So if you started him, you got one last good performance out of him. We will have the Quentin Johnston and Josh Palmer discussion in the waiver section. Amari Cooper, fantastic day against a good matchup. He uh, he came through for us. We highly recommended him. Seven catches, 116 yards, and a score. Could have been an even bigger game, Cody. I don't know if you saw this. One of the worst calls I've ever seen in my entire life. I was screaming at the TV like a like a small child in a, a bar full of people. My goodness, I, I was my matchup ended up not being close because Mostert scored about three touchdowns in the next five minutes of real time. But um, yeah, just absolutely maddening. He he makes a, a fantastic sideline catch. Uh, you know, keeps his feet, stays in bounds by a good foot and a half, and then. You know, he's, he's running down the sideline like him and the safety are basically parallel to each other. Jukes in, jukes out, just stops running, and everybody looks around. The ref had blown the, blown the play dead, even though he wasn't even close to the sideline. But uh, could have been an even bigger day for him. Yeah, 100%. Oh, that so that one hurt a little bit. I had Cooper in one of my leagues where I lost. And I don't know if he gets that touchdown. If it's, you know, it would have been closer. I don't know if I ended up sneaking out that win. But. Yeah, that, that's a huge, a huge egregious error by the ref. I mean, oh, like horrible. you said, it's not like he was tiptoeing the sideline. I don't think he got within a foot of the sideline. No, line, it wasn't so. close. The ref saw the defender fall out of bounds and just completely yep. just, I don't know what happened, just choked on his whistle, and, yep. and that's what happens, I guess. But, yeah, it sucks. But, like you said, at least it didn't kill the day. At least that wasn't like his one big play that was going to save no, his performance. Yeah. Had a good day regardless. But, uh, yeah, it's – it did. It did stink quite a bit. He ended up catching a, a 46 yard bomb touchdown later in the game. So uh, obviously he did just fine for fantasy owners, but disappointing. Could have had an extra 50 yards and another score potentially on that play. Uh, Tank Dell, my goodness, he is very impressive. Uh, five catches, 145 yards, and a score on seven targets. He's always open. He plays a lot in this Texans offense. This uh, CJ Stroud looks really, really good on the road against a pretty decent defense that. Uh, made Pat Mahomes look human last week. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think if you have Tank Dell, he is squarely in the flex conversation right now, uh, maybe working his way to solidified, you know, like wide receiver two status at this point. Uh, he is diminutive, but he is he's always open, and he is just uh, – he can he, – he, he beat – he beat some safeties on a deep 46-yard post route. This is not just like your prototypical 5-7 slot guy. He is just a really talented player. Yeah, if you had to take a guess, how many or what percentage of leagues do you think he is rostered in currently? Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to say 35. 
It's at 48, so a little bit okay. higher, but, higher. you know, if there's 100 people listening to this podcast, 50 of you, you know, may want to check that waiver wire yeah, and make sure Tank Dell isn't out there. Cause Go get him. I know he's not listed in the waiver wire segment, but if he's out there, he's right at the top of the list for me. So, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. go double check on him for sure. Yeah, I think we've already mentioned him, so he's in our previous mentions yep. uh, when we get to that. But, yeah, obviously, he would be a dump half your fab or you know whatever if you need a wide receiver maybe more than that if he's still out there uh this yeah this Houston offense just looks really good tight ends we only have a couple Kittle Kelsey they both uh did their thing Kittle without Ayuk obviously is always going to be a solid play Sam Laporta maybe working his way into the top five or six discussion eight catches 84 yards and a score on 11 targets Really, really impressive. Um, I don't really see his role going away when Jameis Williams comes back. He doesn't really occupy the same spots on the field. He's playing a ton. Uh, he is their you know, clear number one, unlike Dalton Kincaid, unfortunately, for the Bills. He's still splitting with Dawson Knox. Uh, Laporta, he might be just a bona fide starter the rest of the year. Are you as bullish as I am, or are you a little more hesitant? Yeah, any tight end that's getting 11 targets can can happily yeah. sit in my starting oh, tight yeah. end spot with no questions. So um, I would say if you you know drafted a Kittle, you drafted a Mark, eh, Mark Andrews is a little bit questionable, but if you drafted one of those guys, I'd look to trade him. I'd see what I could get for a guy like Mark Andrews because I feel pretty good about throwing Laporta yeah. in there for right now. 100%. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm all about Laporta. I unfortunately do not have him in any leagues, and his value is too high yeah, for neither. the tight end position to go get right now. But if I could, I would do it in a heartbeat. I wish I could go back to week one and go snag him when I had the chance. Yeah, definitely uh, definitely someone that has risen a ton uh, since draft season. Uh, just did not expect, you know, rookie tight ends do not generally play this big of a role right away, but he uh, he looks really, really good. And Jared Goff clearly likes looking for him. Okay, Cody, enough positivity. Let's get to the negative. Duds on deck. All right, let's get this one out of the way. Justin Fields looked really horrible again in this one. 99 yards through the air, uh, a score and a pick. And really, I think 50 of those 99 yards came on the last drive of the game for the bears when it was 41 to three had 47 rushing yards as well. I I don't really have much to say on the play of fields. I think this Kansas city matchup might end up being a really, really tough one. This defense looks fantastic so far remains to be seen once they start playing some of the uh, truly elite offenses in the NFL. We'll, we'll get that, you know, we'll get that answer, but uh yeah i mean fields has looked really bad this play calling is even worse uh it's it was i mean i've never heard a broadcast just go in on a coaching staff as hard as <laughs> both because so i i watched this game for a little bit on uh on live you know the cbs broadcast or whatever it was on and then yep. i drove home listened to it on the uh, the radio on the way home and both of the broadcasts were just destroying Luke Getze. I mean, putting this man on blast, like I've never heard them do to a coach before on a live broadcast. It was, it was crazy, but either he deserved every bit of it. And this, this play calling makes no sense right now. And hopefully they make an adjustment similar to last year, but um, he's hard to trust right now. I'll give you, I'll let you say your piece on fields and then I'll give the optimistic view moving forward. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess the optimistic view from my from my where I'm sitting right now is he didn't really pop last year until week six. So if you have any hope of him turning it around, you can. 
Um, I think Justin Fields is going to end up on some waiver wires this week, especially sure. off of this performance. Go so pick him up let's he hear does. your optimism. I want to know, you know, if, if there's a league where I need a quarterback, you know, if he gets dropped, do I feel good about picking him up? So I want to hear your optimism around him. I mean, my optimism is very simple. His schedule the next five weeks is about as fantastic as you could possibly imagine. First off, he plays Denver at home next week. We just saw their rush defense or lack thereof against the Dolphins this week. He plays at Washington the week after that. That's, I'd say, middling. They really haven't been very impressive. This was supposed to be a good defense, uh, but we'll, we'll call that a wash. That's pretty much an average matchup. But then, first Minnesota, first Las Vegas at the Chargers, four of probably the worst five defenses in the NFL as far as fantasy is concerned, and then one you know middle-tier matchup in the, the Commanders. So, I think basically at this point, you're going to get your answer on fields moving forward in these next few weeks. I think if he duds against Denver, then you can pretty much just say, okay, put him on your bench or drop him if you're in a shallow league. And, you know, we can just reevaluate once he gets closer to, uh, you know, some of those better matchups. But uh, I I just think he, he has potentially played three pretty tough defenses to start the year in Green Bay, at Tampa Bay, at KC. And the schedule really opens up for him. So we'll get our answer on whether he's going to be fantasy relevant very quickly. Yeah, I think, you know, if you – not necessarily if you're a Bears fan, because if you're just a Bears fan, you were hoping that he would just develop as a passer oh, and look yeah. really good. For fantasy and just for, I mean, his sake, I mean, just give the guy one read and let him run the football. Exactly. It's, it's he looks so just... confused sitting back there. And like you said, it could have been, you know, three pretty good defenses he's been going up against. But, I mean, when he starts scanning the field, he and then he tries to throw the ball off platform constantly when he finally does find his read. And it just – the ball doesn't get there with the whip that it needs to. So, yeah, I – I and also – DJ Moore, you guys traded the first overall pick for the ninth or eighth pick, whatever you got in return, in DJ Moore. Use him. Use him as much as you freaking can. I cannot stand that they just do this, act like he's not on the field for 90% of snaps. It drives me up a wall. Yeah, if you I mean, threw the ball to DJ Moore on every play, his passing stats would be better automatically because you're putting the ball in your best player's hands. Yeah, I think the one of the things you really notice or that pops about the better offenses in the NFL is that, I mean, obviously Mahomes is fantastic. He's a really good quarterback, but 85 to 90% of his throws are super easy. They are wide open. They're 5 to 10 yards down the field. He's not fitting it into tight windows 15 to 20 yards down the field on the boundary. He is just making the easy read, hitting the wide open guy over the middle. They're reading zones. They're just scheming up easy concepts for him so yeah I mean they need to help fields out a great deal here he's clearly not a fantastic processor he takes way too long in the pocket he is very indecisive right now but yeah I think they just need to make the game easy for him and he's going to get some defenses to exploit here moving forward so we're really going to get our answer I'm not dropping him I'd definitely go pick him up if he was dropped because he still has potential to be a really really good starting fantasy quarterback NFL terms yeah, I mean, I think the Bears are probably moving off of him at the end of the year at this point, but um, this is in the NFL. This is fantasy, and I think he could still be really valuable uh, in that regard. I mean, he was a pretty bad NFL quarterback last year, still finished as a top-five fantasy quarterback. Trevor Lawrence, Cody. Um, I actually am not that worried here. Uh, so uh, the stats were okay, 27 for 40, 279 yards, a score, a pick, 12 yards on the ground. 
so not a great day when a lot of other quarterbacks had pretty good days. Uh, I'll, I'll let you start off with Lawrence. Do you have any concern here? I don't have a ton of concern for Trevor Lawrence. Um, if you, when you listen to the podcast, follow the content before the season, I kind of was really high on him. I thought he was going to be my main quarterback target. And then I kind of did a little bit more research into it and kind of went the opposite direction. But now I feel like you'd be getting Lawrence at a, you know, a buy low candidate, um, you know, opportunity here. Really what I'm looking at is he has three touchdowns through three weeks. I think that his over-under on touchdowns was basically closer to like 1.6 or 1.7, something like that. So we should see some positive TD regression for him to get back to that number. Also, he's played Kansas City, which like we've maybe learning, it just could be a tough defense. Houston has been historically bad for quarterbacks. I know this should have been the right game script for Trevor Lawrence to have a good game against Houston, but for some reason he cannot. Um, I'm a little bit concerned. He has Atlanta and Buffalo coming up the next two weeks. Don't necessarily love that, but the schedule does lighten up afterwards. If he continues to struggle for another week or two, um, you know, if you have him, I probably want to consider streaming some other options, but I think he's a buy low candidate in the next couple of weeks. So I actually did not watch a ton of this game, to be honest. Uh, I kind of relied on uh, some really good analysis from a podcast I listened to on Mondays uh, from CBS Sports called Beyond the Box Score with Jacob Gibbs and uh, uh, Adam Azer and Dan Schneier, I believe is the last guy. But they, they do a really good job. Jacob Gibbs specifically has some just really, really good analysis. He basically broke down Trevor Lawrence for me. He had a 5% off target rate, which was his best of the season. That is really, really good. He had three or four different egregious drops uh, from Calvin Ridley twice. And then uh, I believe Jamal Agnew another time. So there was some really ill-timed penalties on third downs that they would have converted. So I, I don't, a lot of this was not in Lawrence's control. I, I think he's playing pretty good football. He really had, uh, again, that KC game we went over the week before one might be a really good defense uh, with the chiefs Two had three or four almost touchdowns that could have gone the other way and really changed things. And then in this game, he just had a lot of things working against him from his own team. I think uh, one other positive is that Doug Peterson took over play calling in the second half, or at least that's the speculation. Uh, he he play called plays at the end of last year too, when Lawrence is having a lot of success. So hopefully he takes over that duty. And uh, you know, I, I think he's just had a lot of success doing that in the past. So, uh, I think I think there are better days ahead for Lawrence. I would certainly buy low. I think this is a guy. If you have Cousins, you can go turn Cousins into Lawrence plus, uh, you know, a usable running back two or running back three. I would look into doing that. Would you go Lamar for Trevor Lawrence and plus something? I would need something back, but yes, I, I think similar to Cousins. I probably view uh, Cousins and Lamar similarly value-wise for fantasy. Uh, maybe a slight tick to Cousins just because that that, uh, that Baltimore offense concerns me quite a bit, and I think he has a higher risk of injury. But uh, yeah, I would, I'd would need something back, but I, I would make that move as well. Yeah. Gotcha. Maybe like Tank Dell, like if somebody if they, if they happen to have Tank Dell, you know that level of like somebody that we really like the underlying numbers of, you know that that's just the yep. type of uh, asset I'd be going to to go after. Dak Prescott, disappointing game. The whole Dallas Cowboys team really just laid an egg in this one, coming off that Trevon Diggs injury, uh, two forty nine in the score and a pick, a really really ill timed one. I live bet the Cowboys to win this game at 10 to one odds uh, when they were down 12 and it looked like it was going to be a good bet up until Prescott threw the end zone interception, just a horrible throw too. I don't even know what he was looking at. 
Uh, it was not even close. But I, don't know, I think Dallas just laid an egg in this one. Prescott is what he is, and he's a streaming level quarterback. Maybe you know, maybe you drafted him a little higher than that, but I don't think anybody is too butthurt about Dak Prescott having a, a somewhat down game here. You just you got to play the matchups with him. Yep, absolutely. If Kirk Cousins is on this list next week, it's going to be a very similar conversation. And I think yeah. Kirk Cousins is probably a little bit higher than Dak Prescott on both of our lists. So um, I am right there with you. I think the um, the injury in the middle of tr- you know uh, practice in the week probably took a lot of air out of the building, and then they probably overlooked the Cardinals a little bit, just sure. thinking that they would steamroll them anyway. So it was just a complete dud from the entire team. Like I said, kind of what you can expect when something like that happens in your franchise. Yeah, I mean, from fantasy terms, Cousins, I think, has a little more value just because his pieces are better. He has a worse defense, and he has a play caller that loves to throw the ball. Prescott kind of has all of those factors working against him in the opposite direction. But as a player, yeah, I think him and Prescott are pretty similar uh, talent-wise. But yeah, anyway, he's he's a streaming-level guy moving forward, as we kind of thought going into the year. Running back duds, Najee Harris, Cody. My goodness, he just... Does not look good. Continues to seed work to Jalen Warren. This should have been a perfect game script for him. We thought this Vegas matchup should be, you know, one he could get back on track for. They were winning most of this game. Uh, he had 19 carries, 65 yards, no scores, no targets. Uh, that is just that is not sustainable uh, for fantasy value. I know running backs are really hard to come by, and he will get work moving forward here, but. I might be willing to sell him for 60 cents on the dollar and just get whatever you can for him. Uh, like previously mentioned, like Tank Dell. I would take Tank Dell for Najee Harris right now. Uh, it's it's tough because a lot of people are running back needy, but I, I'd i be looking to move him even at a discounted rate. Yeah, I'm right luckily there with I you. I, yeah. I'm, yeah, luckily I do not either. And luckily I, as much as I hated that trade I made for Cortland Sutton last year, I'm very happy I did because there would have been a part of me that wanted to believe in Najee again if he would have been one of my keepers. So yeah. definitely uh, dodged a bullet on that one. But yeah, he, he does not look good. He just, I mean, he just doesn't look like he's a good running back for, you know, for NFL standards. So when you can literally pick up guys like Jalen Morin or you know other late guys, undrafted guys, and plug them in, and they immediately pop on your team, then that's not a good sign. I, yeah, I mean, I would try and get whatever you can if you can turn them into a Tank Dell or another kind of rising guy of similar stature. I would definitely do that. Um, he's really just a volume play at this point, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see the volume go away from him in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, Warren is continuing to gain a bigger share of this backfield. I I think he'll have his games because volume is, you know, kind of, I mean, that can't be everything in fantasy sometimes. So it's just, it's tough because he can't beat anybody to the edge. He's got to make his living in between the tackles. And with the Steelers offense being the way that it is, it's not incredibly explosive outside of George Pickens. I just don't think teams have that much, you know, they don't have to spread the field to, to worry about, you know, multiple really dangerous options on the outside. So it's kind of easy to just pack the middle and, uh, you know, stop the run game and make them make the, you know, make Kenny Pickett beat them from the pocket with throws to the outside. Uh, We'll see moving forward. But yeah, I think Harris, I would try to get whatever you can for him. Similar style runner here, maybe slightly more talented, even at this point in his career. But Cody, I'll let you take the reins on Derrick Henry. 11 carries, 20 yards. It was a really, really good run defense against Cleveland. They might be the best defense in the league uh, now that, Dallas lost Diggs. 
97 total yards. They completely shut down the Titans. Good call pivoting away from them on your best bets. I was uh, I was happy to see that you did not go with them on the uh, the plus three and a half. I was scared about it. I actually bet Cleveland minus three and a half and cleaned up on that one on my own. But I'll let you go ahead with Derrick Henry. You said you had some uh, some some words for him. Yeah, it's it's really just one stat that kind of stuck out that I heard on another podcast today. Um, and I actually can't remember. I literally listened to three or four, so I apologize too. If, if somehow this gets back to you that I didn't give you credit, my bad on that one. I'll do better about that. But the first one is if you take out his longest rush of the day, which was nine yards, he basically averaged a yard per carry, which is extremely concerning. But like you said, I think the Browns have probably have the best defense in the NFL. They, They're going to be right up there with the 49ers incredible. and the Cowboys. Um, and then the other thing was, and it's kind of ties back into Raheem Mostert because we were talking about how they're kind of similar in age. Uh, this game, Derrick Henry has hit his 18,000th uh, snap or opportunity, whatever it ended up being. 18. Now nah, I can't remember. 1,800. Thank you. Okay, Sorry, I, I wrote it down incorrectly. 18,000. It is 1,800th opportunity uh, in this game. And that is basically at the point where we see no running backs really make a return. It's, it's after 1800 is when they have a steep fall off. I know everyone typically always goes to the age because that's when workhorse running backs hit that number, but it's usually more of how much has your body been banged right. up over the years. Not necessarily yeah, you point. just hit a certain number and that's what causes it. So I think, I mean, I, I can't buy low on Derrick Henry, but if someone else makes the trade for him and wants to believe I necessarily, I don't blame them. It's just, I, I'm kind of okay if Derrick Henry just had a great career and it's just kind of coming to an end now because he's been phenomenal for so long. Yeah, to your point, Derrick Henry, like you said, 1,801 carries in his career now after Sunday's game. Raheem Mostert, 506. So that's kind of what we're talking about when we say uh, one of these guys has a lot more tread on his tires, even though he's a couple years younger. Um, yeah, he only had 35% of snaps in this one, too. Tajay Spears is a legit option uh, for them on passing downs now. They drafted him in the third round this year. So I I think I, I'm okay buying low on Henry if it's like pretty low. I mean, again, running backs are hard to come by. He's going to get volume as long as he stays healthy. When the Titans are winning games, which might not be that often, uh, but when they are winning games, he will have, you know, he had a good game against the Chargers last week and a decent game against the Saints before that. But uh, yeah, I have legit concern about Henry for sure. I think he has fallen at least round or two from his draft day price. Uh, but yeah, if you're getting him for a fifth or sixth round level player, I think I'm okay with it. But just make sure you're buying low and not buying, you know, at a 90% discount or a 10% sure. discount. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Definitely buy at a 90% discount. Uh, Josh, <laughs> Josh Kelly. Man, how disappointing. It, he looked so good in week one. I thought he might have turned the corner. He's been a really, you know, he's been a plotter most of his career. We didn't really have much. Uh, we didn't talk about him. I don't think his name was mentioned one time in the pre-draft process as even a handcuff to Austin Eckler, but 11 carries 12 yards, a catch for five yards against a terrible Vikings defense. I have a really hard time recommending him, even though he has another soft matchup next week. If the Austin Eckler sets, it seems like he's going to because the Chargers have a week five bye, so it makes sense for them to just let him, you know, rest that one more week. Uh, I don't know. I mean, running backs are really hard to come by. I think I just got to wait till next week. We'll get into the preview and, uh, you know, we'll have a better idea of what we're looking at. But, uh, yeah, super disappointing from Kelly. 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, just to throw a name out there, I don't know who the Eagles play next week. I'd probably play Kenneth Gainwell, who was running as their backup running back, but got a good amount of work tonight over a guy like Joshua Kelly. So yeah. I, I don't feel really good about recommending him. Uh, like you said, it is going to be a soft matchup, but he just has not proven it. Now that we are off of Joshua Kelly, I'm sure he's going to go for you know 15 sure. opportunities, 120 yards and a touchdown, but... Uh, if you if you play him out there, I feel like he's at like a seventy five percent bust rate, and then like twenty percent could have an okay game, and then five percent boom. So I would be very very uh, scared to put him back out there next week. All right, we're approaching an hour here, Cody. Let's try to wrap this up in fifteen minutes. So we're gonna fly through the rest of these running backs here. Khalil Herbert sounds good. Tough game. Uh, really, he's probably unplayable right now. The schedule upcoming is really good, similar to Fields. Uh, I think you're just sitting him until you see it with Herbert right now, that Roshan and him are in a full-time share. Absolutely. I'd rather have Roshan over Herbert anyway. Same. So. Rest of season, absolutely. Brees Hall, uh, 12 carries, 18 yards. Uh, catch for nine yards on two targets. His snaps are going up 31, 34, and 49% in weeks one, two, and three. So it's encouraging. I think I'd be willing to buy low because the talent is just so tantalizing, but uh, this Jets offense is really hard to watch. It's got to be really low. Yeah, I mean, you're just going to have to get a new quarterback. The, they're yeah. just going to load the box yes, against are. Zach Wilson every single time. Of course. So unless you, you know you get a, a Kirk Cousins or someone else in there, I mean, it's just going to continue to be super inefficient work for all these running backs. His schedule opens up a little bit as well, but yeah, they, they need a quarterback change. Uh, A.J. Dillon, very similar situation to Josh Kelly, except we have even a larger sample size of him being bad at football. 11 carries, 33 yards. Was a tough matchup, but they play the Detroit Lions next week. I have no interest. Yeah, if, the Packers were also. Says. Yeah, the Packers were also funneling in random guys that I had never even heard of before. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think they are also on the same page that AJ Dillon is not good at football. Yeah, they had Patrick Taylor taking snaps inside the ten yard line when the game was on the line. So yeah, Dillon is uh, being phased out even with no Jones. Ramondre Stevenson, nineteen carries, fifty nine yards, a catch for three yards. Sixty five percent of snaps still. Zeke had a pretty good game, sixteen carries in this one. Uh, I've heard some people worried. I'm not too worried. He's still at 23 opportunities, still the clear snap leader. It was a tough Jets defense. I think he'll bounce back. Also, it wasn't really the game script that you want for Ramondre Stevenson. You want him, you want him to get a couple more uh, catches in there as well. And yeah. when you're just running the clock out, grinding it out, that is a perfect Zeke uh, opportunity for him to kind of come in and take some of those. So zero concern about Ramondre Stevenson and really not even going to come close to recommending Zeke in the next couple of no, weeks I don't unless think so. we get some kind of weird weather game or something like that. Yeah, they play Dallas next week, so lower expectations probably for both of them. Uh, Stevenson or Mostert, rest of the season? Slightly Stevenson, but okay. that's a really good question. Too. Yeah, I think I would stick with Stevenson as well. Uh, wide receivers, Calvin Ridley. Another disappointing game here against a matchup he really should have been able to exploit. As I said earlier, he dropped what would have been a 35-yard touchdown. He dropped another ball over the middle that would have been a pretty big game. <coughs> pretty big gain, excuse me. Three three catches, 40 yards on seven targets. Do we have any worries on Calvin Ridley? Not too much. Uh, if someone in your league does have some worries about Calvin Ridley, I would take advantage of that. Very similar to uh, Trevor Lawrence. I think this offense is going to pick it up here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I, I think we might be coming off of him being the top five guy. We imagine he might be uh, when you know after that first Colts game, but he's still a probably a high end wide receiver too moving forward. Tyler Lockett, three for seven, thirty four yards. It's Tyler Lockett. This is what he does. I'm not worried. Uh, Drake London, 
Two for six, 31 yards again. This is just the Falcons offense. Uh, Desmond Ritter actually had 38 throws in this one, still only six targets for Drake London. So he's going to be uh, very up and down. Just, uh, you know, wish he was on a different team or had a different quarterback. But uh, for the rest of the season, he's going to be a boom-bust option. Absolutely. Nico Collins, only three targets, two catches, 34 yards. I'd buy low if possible. Uh, I really like the way he looks out there. Uh, I really like this Texans offense. I think he will have better days ahead. Tank Dell just, you know, he caught the big, long touchdown on this one. I think they threw another touchdown to Redden Jordan. So uh, he just didn't have the the luck in this one on the big plays. Yep, absolutely. I'm right there with you. Um, yeah, I, if you could buy low on him, I would. Would you? Are you still Nico Collins over Tank Dell, or did this weekend change anything for you? I, yeah, I might have changed my mind on that one, to be honest. But um, I think they're still pretty close. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't pay a ton more for Dell, but Dell looks so good. I, I think I'd probably nudge Dell slightly ahead, honestly. I gotcha. Also, Texans quit throwing the ball to Robert Woods. Let's just make this into a two wide yeah, receiver no offense here that. and let both these guys be phenomenal for fantasy football. Brandon Cooks, two of seven, 17 yards. You can drop him. I'm sure there'll be some decent games, but Gallup got seven targets in this one. Uh, I, I have no interest in Brandon Cooks moving forward. I, I don't think he, they had 40, 40 throws in this one against a bad defense. This should have been a game that he had, you know, decent production, didn't. So I'm not interested. Kadarius Tony, drop him as well. One catch, negative one yard. No, thank you. I had Puka Nakua on the bus, but then he caught a 35-yard pass right at the end of the game to get to five for 71. So another solid game for Puka Nakua. Uh, again, yeah, he's he's just fine. Uh, we'll see what happens when Cup comes back. Garrett Wilson, the last wide receiver dud I wanted to mention here. Five for 48, nine targets. Uh, you know, not the not the worst day at the office, but again, just a really disappointing. This Jets team was just imploding on the sideline. Wilson was yelling at Zach Wilson, and uh, there was a running back fighting with a coach. It's just uh, not good times in Jets land right now. But Third I, string running back fighting with their coach to make yeah. it even worse. <laughs> so I think I'd be buying low on Garrett Wilson if you can because his value is probably in the absolute you know tank right now. So here's here's my reasoning. This week he gets the Chiefs at home. That's a bad matchup. That secondary looks really good. Then, similarly to the Bears, this thing opens up like a freaking, you know, a hole in the middle of a defense. At Denver versus Philly, their, se- their secondary has been suspect. Week 7 by at the Giants versus the Chargers at the Raiders. Five extremely, extremely beatable matchups. I think as bad as Zach Wilson is, Garrett Wilson is so talented. We saw this against the Cowboys that he's going to be able to break a few big plays. If you can get him for flex level value, I'd I'd probably go get him. And then there's also the slight chance that they trade for a Cousins and he is, you know, all of a sudden a bona fide wide receiver too, maybe even a low end one. Uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. I think they're going to have to make a room a move for a quarterback. I mean, this team yeah, is going to implode yeah. on itself if Zach Wilson continues to play quarterback for them. Um, honestly, I really like Robert Sala. I think he can be a really good coach. He's obviously a great defensive coach, but to keep going to the podium and just saying you're sticking with Zach Wilson, yeah. I'm starting to lose a little bit of respect for him. You you got to make the move. You got to go find some somewhere somehow like. A nasty name that no one wants to even think about. I'd rather have Carson Wentz out there than Zach yeah, Wilson. Oh, 100%. It may, be, it may be a disaster with him, but gosh, Zach Wilson is just terrible. Quit going to the podium every week and telling me you're sticking with this guy. It is just a disaster. 
Tight end busts, Mark Andrews. Any concern here? Four for five, 35 yards. Uh, this Baltimore offense, again, just not looked great to start the year. Looks like there's some growing pains with this Monken offense. Maybe not suitable for Andrews. Um, I don't know. I, I think I'd, I'd be holding, but I'd probably drop him a round or two in value if we were redrafting today. Yeah, that's my issue. If you drafted him in the second round or, or middle of the yeah. third, maybe if you got a little lucky, you're probably not going to send him away for fifth, sixth round value. So I'm holding on to him for now, hoping that he can get it, find his role in this offense, but definitely concerning through three weeks. Darren Waller, seven targets, only three catches, 20 yards against the Niners. Um, I, I think we had him a lot lower than most coming into draft season, so I haven't really changed my evaluation on him. It's going to be really up and down. Most tight ends are. Uh, so, yeah, I think you're holding on to him too. I wouldn't really be buying low either. I don't like this Giants offense. Nope. I, I had a little smile on my face every time I seen someone take him way earlier than we yeah. had him in our projections because I yeah, saw we, this coming from a mile one. away. Yep. David Njoku, it just hasn't happened. He's back to being a streamer. Uh, Deshaun Watson has historically not really targeted his tight ends. Uh, you know, Since Njoku looked like the second option in this offense, thought that might change, but Eli Moore has uh, definitely supplanted him as the clear number two in Cleveland. So yep. he's a streamer. Uh, you got to play him in the right matchup. I thought this would be maybe one of those, and he didn't have a good game. So uh, tight end landscape is pretty rough. Cole Komet. Another uh, another guy that dudded two catches, 22 yards. It's really hard to trust anybody that's a pass catcher for the Bears. He's going to be a streamer the rest of the year as well. Uh, yeah. A couple other guys I wanted to mention that didn't necessarily fit into either category. Jacoby Myers, Cody, I wanted to give you a shout out because you mentioned how you really wanted to go out and get him before last week. 12 targets, seven catches, 85 yards. Not a huge day, but... It just looks really good. He almost had a beautiful cut touchdown in the corner of the end zone, too, that he just missed. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo has thrown 51 of his 70 passes to either Devontae Adams or Jacoby Myers in the two games with both players. That is exactly what you want to see. This condensation of targets is fantasy gold. This defense is bad. And as long as Jimmy Garoppolo is still the quarterback, I think even if they go to their backup, that O'Connell kid, he looked pretty confident. Uh, in the preseason, I think they'll be fine. Uh, this this is just this is the type of con target condensation you want to see. He had what I think ten targets his first week. Concussion missed one, then twelve targets as soon as he gets back. He is a, a low end wide receiver too moving forward, especially in PPR. Yep, I I'm all over Jacoby Myers. I think that you know th this is going to be one of those two wide receiver offenses similar to what we saw in Seattle last year, where both guys are just able to eat at you know a, a pretty high level. So. Obviously, Adams is the clear number one, but Jacoby Myers, like you said, has has true wide receiver two value rest of season right now. Yeah, if you went and picked him up uh, like one of your boys on the podcast, then you should pat yourself on the back. He is going to be a good option moving forward. For two fucking dollars. Yeah, oh, yeah, buddy. <laughs> Hell yeah. Damian Pierce. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy about that one. Damian Pierce, 14 carries, 31 yards, a touchdown. Really inefficient again. Did get in the end zone, though. Caught three balls for 28 yards, so he kind of saved his day. Buy, sell, hold on Damian Pierce. Yeah, selling him. This this running attack is putrid, and uh, C.J. Stroud just looks too good as a passer for uh, for them to really just turn into a run-heavy offense. So uh, as a guy who was pretty high on Pierce coming into the season, I thought he was a pretty good player. I'm, I'm really falling pretty quickly on him. So I did not get him in any drafts. So if I had him, I may feel a little bit differently because it's always hard to sell a guy you you know ha that you liked for – 70 cents on the dollar but if you can turn him into you know another running back too i think i'd do that 
I, I think I'm holding him. Uh, I understand the efficiency concerns. The offensive line has looked horrible. I totally get it. But I think the fact that this offense is just going to be a lot better, most likely with Stroud under center, uh, moving them down the field, should be some more touchdown opportunity. And the efficiency cannot stay this bad. He is a really good running back. Uh, he's operating at like a little over two yards a carry right now. Even, you know, really inefficient running backs are usually closer to three and a half. So I think he will, you know, regress to the mean in that regard a little bit once defenses kind of press off the line of scrimmage and respect Stroud and that passing attack a little more. I'm okay holding. I'm not going to call him a buy because I do have concerns, but uh, I, I don't know if I'm selling him quite yet. I'd probably wait for a bigger week and then, then dump him if you want to go that route. Miles Sanders, same question. Buy, sell, hold, 24 care, or twenty-four yards on the ground, nine carries, a touchdown, had nine targets. That was pretty encouraging. Five catches, 38 yards, but uh, it hasn't been, you know, it's been uh, probably slightly disappointing. I know there's been a lot of really disappointing running backs and a lot of injuries, and he hasn't, you know, fit into either one of those categories. But as a Miles Sanders stand, how are you feeling? Oh, yeah, it's it's not good uh, on my projection of him being an RB1 through the first three <laughs> weeks this year. Um, but I, I think I'm holding on to him for now. I don't think I'd go out and, you know, I wouldn't go try and turn someone that I value into Miles Sanders at this point. Uh, this offense is just going to be really bad uh, as long as um, Bryce Young is the quarterback. So I'm probably, like I said, I'm holding on to him. I love the targets that he's gotten. He's gotten six, five, and nine through three weeks uh, has been week two was pretty inefficient, but has been pretty efficient outside of that. So uh, I'm pretty okay with it. Obviously I'd like to see him in a game script where he can run the ball a little bit more just to get his volume up. But I mean, if he's getting anywhere between five and nine targets, he's going to, I think hold that RB two to flex level value. Yeah. I think that's, you hit it on the head with uh, it's just, it's hard to move off of running backs at this point that are leaving their backfields and playing a lot of the snaps. I mean, I, I, I think you're a little disappointed for sure, but you'd probably still be, you know, around five ish pick if we redrafted today. I don't think his value has gone down significantly. Has it gone up, but I think you can, you could start him as an RB two moving forward. And, you know, you probably just got to lower your high end expectations a little bit, but there are definitely worst case scenarios. There are guys that were drafted similarly in this range, like a Najee Harris, uh, you know, like a Damian Pierce that have lowered their value. Sanders, like, I think, is kind of just held steady. Uh, DJ Moore, we trying to sell at 75 cents on the dollar, or are you holding for maybe a boom week uh, in one of these next really juicy matchups? Yeah, I think your your boom week was in week two, and then I kind of bought into the hype a little bit and did not sell him anywhere that I had him and just thought that he was going to be pretty solid. Um, I'm holding on to him for, I don't know, I mean, he has tough matchups coming up. I'm holding on to him at least for a little bit, though, just because I just, I want to see this offense utilize him. If he was getting 10 opportunities a game and was putting up bad numbers, I would be okay selling him on 75 cents on the dollar, but he is just not getting utilized at the level that he should be for what they, you know, kind of paid to go move and get him. So I'm holding on to him for now, but if I saw a DJ Moore trade go through, I'd expect it to be 75 cents on the dollar. Yeah. I'm probably selling at 75 cents on the dollar as well. I'm not just giving him away, but uh, yeah, it's just, it looks like it's going to be extremely up and down. He got saved on that last drive, even more so than Fields did caught the touchdown and a uh, 29 yard pass. So he would have had a, a huge dud if that had not happened. Yep. 
All right, Cody, let's move to the waiver wire pickups. A uh, couple previous mentions I wanted to go over here. Tank Dell, Marvin Mims, if they're still out on your waiver wires, go pick them up. Uh, same with Nico Collins and a few others. Those guys are closer to 70 80%, though, so they're probably not out there. But um, definitely go pick those guys up if they're still out there. Mims had another good week, scored on a, uh, a kick return touchdown, I believe, either that or a punt. I can't remember. Had my eyes on other games once it was 66 to 13. But, um, yeah, he, he looks impressive. They probably got to get the ball in his hands a little more. Devon yeah. A-Chain, Cody uh, A-Chan. God damn it. That's going to be really tough to make that transition. Uh, again, we should just sh- leave the E off whenever we're yes, making our exactly. documents. No, we need to, like, I need to just, like, replace <laughs> it with freaking – all right, there we go. A chance. All right. <laughs> Not sure how anyone even guessed to value him rest of season, but uh, like I already said, I'm dropping all my fab. If I uh, have the option, I just think his upside is too tantalizing. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if you're in any kind of keeper league, you could be getting some pretty high value with the other running back options they have on the roster too. So uh, I'm in a couple of keeper leagues where you just get to keep one at draft cost. So for some reason, you know, he was kind of dropping towards the end of draft season. Yeah. He didn't go undrafted. Hard. He's still out there. Could be a nice, you know, 15th round keeper for you if you wanted to go all in on him. So just oh, another yeah. tidbit there. But like you said earlier, I mean, I'm probably a little bit less willing to go all in. But if you yep. want him, you're going to have to. Totally understand. It is really, really hard to uh, nail down his value right now. Josh Palmer, Quentin Johnson. We'll talk about these guys together because I think it is the ultimate upside versus safety play. Uh, I think obviously if you were going to bet rest of season, who's going to score more fantasy points, the better bet is probably Palmer. But, uh, if you were going to say one of these two guys finishes as a top 20 wide receiver rest of season, it's probably Johnston. So, uh, who are you prioritizing and how much are you spending on each? Um, I think Palmer's going to be the one that goes for a little bit more. Um, I did want to put out a, a stat for him. He averages 13 points in five games that Mike Williams did not play. So yeah. he does provide fantasy value. I So I think that he's probably going to be a little bit more expensive just because you can immediately plug and play him. Yep. Um, I mean, I know it's kind of crazy for as low as I was on A-Chain, but on Palmer, I'm probably looking at – 15 to 20% if I need a flex level player, if I had a Mike Williams and I need someone to plug in immediately. Easy. And then Quentin Johnston, I'm probably looking at about another 10 to 15% on him if uh, if you want to go for the higher upside play. Like you said, it's literally the conversation is, do you want someone you can plug in and play in week four, or do you want someone that could be a high-end wide receiver too if this if he really gets going in this offense? So Yeah, I, I would – like in our mini, I know he's not available, but in our mini dynasty league, if both these players were available, I would take the shot on Quentin Johnston because I don't need to plug yes. another player into my flex role next week. But in like a couple of my leagues where I'm just having players drop like flies left and right, I'm probably going to go a little bit harder on Joshua Palmer. So that, mm-hmm. that let's pause there. That was that was a bad way to say that. Um, I'm probably <laughs> going to go and put a little bit of a higher <laughs> bid on Joshua Palmer. Crazy. Before, uh, yeah, so that was rough, but it just depends on what your situation is. I I would rather have Quentin Johnson just for oh, the upside man. play, but I think Palmer's going to go for a little bit more at, yeah, on this I, waiver wire run. I think uh, if Johnson's out there, I'd be dropping 30 35%. Uh, again, I think the, like, the upside here is immense. You might have to wait a couple weeks, but 
he's a first round wide receiver hitch to Justin Herbert. If there's any sort of keeper involved, I might be upping that to 40, 45. I just think, you know, these opportunities do not come around very often. Mike Williams is definitely out for the year. There is a huge hole in this offense to fill. Williams had 24 targets the last two weeks. Um, you know, Gerald Everett isn't that guy. Donald Parham isn't that guy. Uh, and then we know Palmer isn't really that guy either. We, he's a, he's a solid fill-in player, but he's just he's been given the opportunity to be the one, and he's just he just has not really shown that he can be a, a standout player in the NFL. So I think Johnson has that opportunity. I think Palmer, I'd probably agree, twenty twenty-five. Uh, if you really need a wide receiver, you can spend up a little bit and just know you're getting solid production. But you know you have to realize that this is. Uh, a player that's been around for a few years and has never really taken that step. So I don't think you're, you know, he's always going to live 25 to 30 as far as rankings go each week. In my opinion, I don't see him rising much higher than that. I agree with you, but that's still super valuable in some deeper leagues. So uh, worth spending, you know, a decent chunk of your fab on DJ shark. I think this is another guy that's maybe a short-term fill-in, especially uh, with Andy Dalton here, but Jonathan Mingo left with a concussion. Chark had a pretty good catch. I don't know if you saw his touchdown. It was really sweet. He had a, a go route down the sideline, uh, kind of just like on one of those like plays where it's a cover two and the corner uh, covering the flat lets him go. He gets the uh, the go route on the sideline before the safety can get over to him. He made a sweet spin move and scored. Um, but yeah, Chark plays the Minnesota Vikings this week, so he will actually be a, a pretty high end uh, pretty high end flex play this week as long as everything holds as far as uh you know, who is in that matchup right now. Jameis Winston, only in super flex. He will be the quarterback for the next couple of weeks. We know he likes to sling it. He's got some pretty good options. I think he'd be squarely in the QB2 conversation for super flex. The schedule's not fantastic, but uh, starting quarterbacks in any regard are usually, you know, at least somewhat viable in super flex leagues. So go spend a couple bucks on him if you need a starter. Anything to add on Winston or Chark? Uh, on Shark, I did just want to add that he was on the field more than any other receiver in week, uh, oh, really? week three. He was on there. He was on the field ninety three percent of offensive snaps. So that is encouraging. And like you said, he's playing the Vikings next week. So I know when you run your waivers, you're not going to know if uh, Young is going to be back. But I would definitely throw a couple of bucks if you need a flex level player for next week because. If you get Andy Dalton against the Vikings and you can plug in DJ Chark, I'd feel pretty confident doing so. Yeah, I think. And then the on Jameis. No, sorry, oops, go sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say on Chark, I think the fact that he was on there for 93% of snaps makes me feel like there actually might be some long-term appeal there as well. So that is encouraging. Absolutely. And then on Jameis, um, yeah, I mean, it's only going to be a couple of weeks, but like in one of mine, my three quarterbacks are Geno Smith, Justin Fields, Ryan Tannehill, would you just swap out Tannehill for Jameis Winston based on Tannehill's recent play? Probably, yeah. I, I think I would much rather start Winston. I don't even know who the Titans play, but it's I, I'd say that Winston is almost assuredly uh, uh, going to be higher on my list next week, even against the, the Bucs. For sure. Rico Dowdle, I wanted to mention him as well. He seems to have a pretty firm grip on the RB2 job in Dallas. He probably won't have weekly flex appeal. Tony Pollard is uh, the clear lead guy, but, you know, Pollard is slight. He is getting a ton of work. I think there's a decent chance he gets banged up at some point this year, and uh, Dowdle is a really, really high-end handcuff at this point, uh, so he is probably worth rostering in deeper leagues. And then Rasheed Rice, Cody, wanted to give a shout-out to your Kansas City Chief. Seems like he might be the only wide receiver that could have value at some point this year. Snapshare ticked up over 50% for the first time in this one. 
I think he's looked by far the best out of all of the Chiefs wide receivers on a per snap and per target basis. So uh, he's a rookie second round player. We don't have uh, you know much information on him as a player. That is actually a good thing compared to these other Chiefs receivers that have been consistently you know just inconsistent. Uh, so Rice has a chance to maybe emerge as a weekly option. I think he is also worth stashing in deeper leagues, especially keepers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very similar to Rico Dowdle. I would also look at Elijah Mitchell. Yeah. Um, not like you said, not necessarily go, someone you're going to want to flex, but if anything happens to CMC, he's definitely a guy that you would want to have on your roster ready to roll. Yep. Um, and then a guy that I'm going to give you a little bit of props on. I know he's probably not very you know appealing in uh, one quarterback leagues, but CJ Stroud is someone that should be considered if you are streaming, if he is in a plus matchup. He has oh, yeah. looked a lot better than I was expecting. His weapons are pretty solid on top of that. So uh, if he is available and you have an extra roster spot, I would I would throw him on there, especially before we get into bye weeks coming up. Yeah, I think there is a chance he becomes viable in one QB leagues. They are throwing the ball a ton. Their defense has actually looked pretty good so far this year, but it's still not incredible. Um, so yeah, he's going to see plenty of negative game scripts and have to have to be throwing quite a bit this year so and they're, they're really letting him sling it and the uh the offensive line is bad that actually kind of works to his advantage in this case though because it's so bad that they can't run at all right now and he is you yeah. know the only way they're able to move the ball is through the air so that benefits stroud uh from a fantasy perspective so yeah good call there i uh i'm glad you mentioned it and then my last guy i just want to bring up before we head out of here tajay tajay spears only rostered in 32 percent of leagues yep another elite handcuff piece that may actually have some kind of flex value in the next couple of weeks if we see things continue to go the way they are so just double check that he is not picked up in your leagues he should be yeah spears charbonnet and dowdle i think uh, off the top of my head are the three really elite true handcuff options that we have out there right now all of them are worth being rostered in pretty much any size league because they are one injury away from being you know top 20 backs moving forward uh actually so before we hop off of here i okay i'm not seeing anything i thought i saw a notification come across on sunday that travis etn was out of the game for some reason, but I just looked at his sleeper page and I don't see. He might have had cramps as well. Concerning. I think I think uh, he left the game for a little bit, but uh, I guess he came back because yeah, I did I did not hear anything about his injury today. I feel like that would have been pretty big news. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Nope, that sounds good. That wraps it up for me then. Um, obviously, follow us on social. Check them out. Make sure you're subscribed if you're listening, and uh, we will be back for our Thursday night preview. Uh, Nick, are we going buy, buy low, sell high, as well as beat the wire picks again this week? Absolutely. Let's do it. All righty. Sounds good. Make sure you guys tune in for that. We will be back soon. Peace out. Peace.